And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly email where I share actionable website and B2B marketing tips, useful podcasts, goodies, and resources, and much, much more to kick off your week with a bang. You can give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Fernando Amaral. Fernando is the CMO over at Raidu. Welcome to the show, sir. How are we doing? Hi, Sam. Great to see you again. Thank you so much for inviting me. Doing good and hoping I can share some of my ABM uh, and, and general B2B marketing experience with you and your audience. Excellent. Very pleased to have you, sir. So with that, we're going to be talking exactly how our audience can learn how to drive real B2B growth with ABM account-based marketing. So let's dive straight in, Fernando. For anyone that's not heard of ABM before, what is your high-level overview of what ABM really means? So ABM, obviously, account-based marketing, uh, it has become, uh, as a term, uh, very popular over um, the last few years. Some say driven by the, um, the vendors of ABM software that kind of defines the category. Um, I think that it has been around before that. And means targeting a named group of accounts. So we know exactly who are the companies that we want to have as customers. It's defined by name, company A, B, C, and D, we're marketing to those companies. They can be prospects. It can be with the objective of acquisition of new customers. They can be existing customers as well. It can be with, your, with the objective of retaining them and expanding, expanding them. Uh, but really the key factor is that we know who those accounts are. So we develop marketing campaigns targeting them. Got it. Great summary. So in terms of the businesses that consider an ABM approach, do you, in your opinion, do you have to be of a certain size, a certain structure to actually make this type of strategy worthwhile? So we can break it down a little bit more in terms of the definition of ABM on, I think, different levels. And and, and not all levels are for all businesses in terms of, of maturity. Um, I think there's the one-to-one ABM campaign where you're really creating a marketing campaign just for one account. That probably requires some some level of maturity and dimension. If we're doing uh, marketing campaigns just to get one customer, you probably have resources to do a bunch of them, right? Um, and, and you need to have a kind of customer as a target that is going to bring you a lot of revenue, just that individual customer, because that will justify doing a marketing campaign just for them. That's a one-to-one. It's it's not supposed to be shown to anyone else. It's not supposed to drive results with anyone else, just that one customer. Um, then you have the one-to-few, and then you bundle a group of target accounts, and one campaign can be by vertical, for example. One campaign is suitable for that group, and that's, I think, where most uh, of the businesses will, will operate in, is the one-to-few campaign. And then you can also argue that there's the one too many um, where you just have like thousands of, of uh, accounts that you're targeting with an ABM campaign. And I think the, the software vendors will will pitch that, but I just call that regular marketing 
just like demand generation. If you're targeting thousands of right. accounts at once with the same campaign, I think you're just doing a regular marketing campaign and not an ABM campaign. Got it. Okay, so there's a few ways you can go about an ABM campaign. One to one, one to few, one to many. And you mentioned before that you can actually do it to either existing accounts, so existing clients you're perhaps already working with, and also perhaps new accounts that you want to break into. What would be the difference in terms of mindset approach? Yes, it really depends on on, on those objectives, right? You, you have objectives in most uh, B2B SaaS businesses. You have your acquisition or new logo acquisition objectives, and you have your retention and expansion objectives. And depending on where you are as a business and where what your strategy is, you will focus more on one or the other. And ABM can help you with both. If you have a certain type of customer as a target that has a certain dimension that justifies ABM strategy, it can work for both goals. It's really as a business, what are you trying to achieve and where you want to put your resources? I got a, a real eye opener on what ABM can be when I had a conversation with someone leading a, an ABM team on a, a big corporate where their existing customers, like their top 20 customers, were worth a million per year each customer. So they had an ABM team that only exclusively worked on existing accounts. It was, and it was like one marketer for every two accounts. So imagine 10 marketers doing work for those 20 accounts only with the goal of retaining them and expanding them because each of the accounts is worth a million per year. So it's worth doing this. But so that's how a really, really big business can look at ABM for existing customers. Most startups and smaller businesses look more for the acquisition side of things. And right. they, as they are growing, they are more focused on acquiring new business, new logo. So they, they will focus on these are the customers that we don't have yet, but we want to have. You find out who they are, you put the names on it, and then you do marketing campaigns for that. Gotcha. And yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if they're a large-scale company and they're going after these real high-ticket clients or retaining them, keeping them on board, and maybe upselling them over time, it makes sense they're assigning a lot of resource and budget to, to actually bring that in and make that happen. And when it comes to smaller size, medium, more medium-sized businesses, is there a certain point where ABM becomes effective, in your opinion, Fernando, i.e. your your life or your annual value needs to be at least 20K for ads actually to be of, of, of use or of while, or is that... Is that hard to say, would you think? I, I wouldn't say that's the criteria. I think it's more about who your target customer is that right. will make this make sense or not. Regardless of the size that you are, it's more about what is the profile. Uh, your ideal customer profile is one of okay. the first things that you will want to figure out. You're trying to get, if you're still more earlier and try, still trying to get your product market fit, you need to understand who your ideal customer is. And depending yep. on that profile, ABM could be the solution or not. So if your ideal customer is a certain size of company um, and, and you can clearly identify some criteria, if you have clarity on that, if you already have some idea of who is your ideal uh, customer, you can translate that into a list of companies because you know the characteristics that define them. You can find out. So this is actually the list of companies that we'll get the most value from our products that will be easier to break into. I, I know who I want as a customer. And those customers are already more like mid-market companies. Then probably an account-based marketing strategy will be the most efficient way to go after them. If those customers are very, very small, 
and right. you're actually going more on a volume game, you want a lot of them, then probably ABM is not the right strategy because you need the numbers. Uh, each of them, the ticket is going to be small. You just need a lot of them. And probably mm. an inbound strategy, a content marketing driven strategy, SEO will make more sense for you than ABM. Yeah, I was going to ask, that's that's a nice ad in terms of when you shouldn't do ABM. Is that the only scenario when you're looking at smaller businesses, perhaps prospects that you can capture with an inbound approach or a bit more of a mass marketing approach? Are there any other scenarios where you should should not do ABM? Well, in terms of uh, of target audience, I think that's that's the main reason not to do it. I guess in uh, in terms of having clarity on our, on your ICP, because it starts from that. It starts from selecting the accounts, and if you're choosing the wrong ones, and so having some uh, having that clarity on your ICP that you know the, the accounts that you're choosing, you have some confidence that those are the right ones. Understanding your your value proposition and your products to know if I go with this message. To these companies, the probability of success is very high. You need to have that internal confidence, and you, and you need to have the internal resources. Intern so usually, this is a, it's called account-based marketing, but it's it's marketing and sales. Um, so you need to go together with marketing campaigns, and usually with uh, outbound activities to to go because since you know who you want as a customer. You, can, you don't need to wait for them to come to you. You can just go to them and, and talk to them, right? So usually there's an outbound motion associated with it. So you need the team to execute on this. Uh, as you look, uh, we will discuss what the playbook looks like. You yep. need to, to have the, the resources in terms of marketing, advertising, and tools, but also in terms of people and outbound and sales to execute on that. You need some some maturity in terms of salespeople to go to, you know, slightly bigger accounts. So you need all of that in place. If you're not ready for that, that would also be a reason to not do it. Yeah, we've had a good question come in. I don't normally take questions, but we had quite an interesting one on the LinkedIn chat. Um, you mentioned outbound just then, kind of works together with ABM, and we're going to get into a bit more of the weeds in a sec when we talk about how play-by-play, -play, how you can put into piece the puzzle with an ABM strategy, but what is there a difference between ABM and outbound? Are they the same thing or do you have a separate team running outbound calls and outbound emails, or do you have a set of marketers and a set of SDRs that work together on, on uh, ABM? That's a great question. I think uh, it can be both. It can be completely separate or it can be the same, depends on, on how you set it up um, across the marketing and the sales team in the organization. It can completely be separate if uh, you have a team doing outbound. There is just coming up with their own targets uh, by themselves, running uh, sequences, and it's not coordinated with other plays. So if it's that team is just by themselves, has the freedom to go and reach out to people and just email, LinkedIn message, cold call, do whatever to get uh, leads in the door, that's just outbound by itself. It can happen right. while you do an ABM campaign at the same time, or by itself, it can be separate things. Or you can say our outbound strategy only makes sense as an ABM campaign. So all our outbound is going to be assigned to an ABM campaign, and that's how we do outbound. And that makes sense as well. Um, and, and that's probably from my side how I, how I would do it. All the outbound would be associated with ABM campaign selection for outbound would be done together with marketing and why not if you're going to do outbound coordinate with marketing so that marketing is doing a campaign as well and you have an orchestration of the outbound that uses everything that you have at your disposal 
from marketing campaigns and tools and strategies to the outbound as well and run everything together. I think it can be both. It's a matter of choice how you want to do it. Got it. Yeah, I suppose it depends on the, the company's objectives and, and what they want to get out of it ultimately, like you shared there. So with all that in mind, let's let's talk about some best practices for an ABM play. You mentioned ICP earlier. Is that the first thing that you should consider, Fernando? Or what is one of the first practices, the first thing you need in play before you start an ABM campaign? Yes. So I think the so for the ABM campaign, first step is account selection. But for the account selection, a previous step is knowing the ICP because that's how you're going to choose the accounts. You want to choose your uh, ideal future customers to target, right? So you need to define what that is first. So typically you do an ICP exercise um, before and that's a best practice as you are developing any marketing campaign, understanding who is my ideal customer. So that is kind of a prerequisite to doing the first step of ABM, which will be the account selection. Uh, and ICP by itself uh, could be just um, an episode on that, but I think it's it's worth uh, touching a little bit on best practices to develop your ICP. Uh, because I see uh, many times the same challenges when we're talking ICP, and especially in startups, and it's where I've been working the most. And I, I think there's one big challenge with ICP, which is, looking at historical data, which is typically what the ICP process would be, is let's see who are our best customers that we have right now, who is happiest with our product, who went faster through the sales cycle, and let's get more companies that are similar to those because we will be more successful there. So you will have to look at your data. You have to look at your CRM, and you have to, to try to understand by country, by company size, by industry vertical and by any other factor that you can have a data point on, let's try to figure out who are the ones that we get the more volume of leads, that they convert at, with the best conversion rate, that they go faster to the sales cycle, yep. that they re- retain the most after they become customers, that they have a higher lifetime value, that they have the lowest cost of acquisition. So that's a lot of data. You need to try to have visibility on all of that, which is a lot, and then try to break it down so that you find those segments and you say, okay, it's actually European companies from 100 to 500 employees in the tech industry are the best performing in all of those metrics. But all of, and this is a very good exercise to do and quite challenging by itself, but it's all based on what has worked before. And a lot of times startups have very ambitious goals mm. that they, they want to go up market, for example. Yep. So it's not that it worked before, but they need, it, they need to make it work in the future. So sometimes I see this clash between analyze the data and see what worked or actually where we need to go, but we're not there yet. But uh, our investors and our business requires that we go in that direction. So the data will not tell you that this is, was a good move, but you still want to make the move. And it's a strategic bet that you have to take. So balancing those things is hard. And based on that, you need to arrive at this is my one year or two year plan in terms of the customers that I want to get. So this is going to be my ICP. And that you should do before you start the ABM campaign, right? Yeah. So with ICP, that's some some nice advice around those those metrics to look at based on who you want to attract the target market for 
the ABM campaign. If you have limited customers, if you're a fairly new company and you want to do ABM, first of all, should you do the ABM? And second of all, if you have limited data, if you should do ABM, what can you go off? Do you just go off the metrics that you think are good or that you're fun that you're maybe maybe you're funded and they're saying you need to hit this type of ICP because they're going to generate great enterprise high ticket clients? Or what would you recommend? Yeah. I mean, new companies and startups, I mean the startup world and especially uh venture backed startups, it's a it's a big bet, right? You 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 create and you bring a new product to market that maybe no one asked for. You you have to believe. You, you need to come up with a strategy based on what you believe in, your ideas, your experience, your investors' experience, a lot of gut feeling, and you just need to go for it. And you know that a lot of them are going to fail and you believe that yours is the one that's going to succeed. But it's a lot of your own gut feeling and personal bet that this is going to work. Then you need to validate it constantly. As you're doing it, you need to always keep checking, is this working? What's the feedback that I'm getting from the markets? Are the customers really liking the thing that I thought was amazing or not? And adjust and adapt and pivot as many times as you need. And that's the, the startup life. But I think it starts with a personal bet from the founders that this is valuable and this is going to work. And this is what we believe is the type of customer that is going to value it with a lot of validation, a lot of, a lot of you know, and minimal viable product goes in the market, get feedback from the customer, adjust, get more feedback, get feedback from the sales team. Is it resonating or not? Get feedback from the product team and really try to build that plane while you are crashing down. It, it's <laughs> part of, of the adventure of, of being in a startup. So you don't really know any of those things for sure. You have limited data and you have to work with it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like basically saying, put, put your theories to test constantly work or feedback from marketing from sales from the yeah. customer and refine and you, you can go. do this on a time frame you know so you you can say okay yep. we defined our icp this is going to be for the next year this is the icp uh we're going to have to revisit uh, in one year and see uh if we want to change or not and then you take that icp for the year and let's do an abm campaign for the quarter so for next quarter let's get 100 companies that match this icp and let's create a marketing campaign and an outbound campaign and go after them. The next mm. quarter, let's go after another 100. Let's do this four times and then let's revisit the ICP as well uh, again. So if you're in a very early and fast moving startup, you might need to iterate a lot. If you're in a more stable company, then you really know you have the data, you know what the ICP is and, and you don't need to question yourself as much. And is, and is that the typical timeline that you recommend for an ABM strategy a quarter? Yes, I think a quarter is good to execute the playbook. Um, you you want to to select in the one to few, I would say 100, 200, a, a few hundred accounts that usually you can group by geography and vertical and some other criteria that in your particular case might make sense. So you can create these three or four groups maybe where you can go with more personalized messages to them. But then you want to refresh, you want to go, then you, you need to validate, is it working or not? And then you want to go after the next group. So yeah, I would say a quarter is good to run the advertising side of it, the right. outbound side of it, and kind of do the full cycle of the campaign. You might want to renew it for the next quarter if you think there's still a lot of potential in that one. 
you mm-hmm. might want to replace it with a fresh one and then just go after the next group. But I think it's a good time also for the learnings. You see what plays worked, what didn't work, and then you just start a new one. Got it. Okay. Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time? Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes. All right. Via ownership to... One of our A's pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? Exactly how it should have happened. This is exactly how it should have happened. I could have done it. Oh my God. You are incredible. So there it is. Proof of the power of Chili Piper. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash BGS. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com slash BGS. Chilipiper.com forward slash BGS. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today. So let's say we've put together our ideal client profile. Or we've got an idea of maybe some hypothesis of some ICPs that we're going to test out and see how it goes with the marketing. What comes next? What's the next play? Do we start chucking ads on LinkedIn? Do we chuck them on other social channels? Do we get our outbound team going crazy on the phone? Or what, what's the next step? So the, the next step is the next challenge will be turning that into an actual list of named accounts, right? Because you define a criteria. And then you need to find out what are the companies that match this. So you, you need either a provider, you need a kind of a database, either a tool, a software, or an agency or some provider that's going to tell you from this criteria, these are the companies that you need to go after. And you should do this already with marketing. If marketing and sales are going to work together on the place, they should be aligned from the start. So one mistake to avoid is that only one of the teams chooses the accounts. And then from the start... Right then both teams will be working on them, but only one of them chose and the other didn't have the buy-in. So they should agree from the start. If it's 100 accounts, these are the names of the companies. Let's work. Let's figure them out together. Let's go from the ICP to the actual names. So once you figure out how to do that, you got a list of accounts. You have a few things that you can start doing. There's account research. You want to know as much as possible about them so that you can use it in your messaging. So you need to figure out who is going to research these accounts. Now we know the names of the companies, but there's a lot more information that would be useful to have. Um, what other software are they using that maybe we have integrations with? It would be good to know if they use it or not. Um, what, um, 
who are the people inside the accounts. So you need kind of blueprint the accounts in terms of who are the decision makers that we need to target. Right. This is all before you start sending the messages, right? You need to blueprint the account. You need to research as much as possible so that you know who you're going to reach out to and what kind of messaging is going to resonate with them that you can personalize. So as soon as you know the accounts, you can kick off the research. Um, at the same time, marketing can start planning on the advertising part. Typically, the, uh, the online advertising, it's the easiest to do, um, goes before the personalized outreach. So you start showing them ads to the people in those companies, um, creating some awareness. Mm. You can start with an awareness campaign about your company, about the problem that you solve, anything that you want to start making yourself visible to them so that when you get to the outreach um, part of the play, it's not as cold because they, they, they already have been seeing you for a while. So depending on the content that you have, you, maybe you have a great blog, maybe you have a great podcast, let's say you have a podcast. So those people in those, in those accounts, they should start seeing your podcast for a couple of weeks before someone actually is going to connect with them on LinkedIn, for example. So I would say on one team is going to be doing account research to prepare for the outreach. The other team is going to be doing advertising campaigns to warm, up, warm them up. Okay. So let's go back a bit. We're researching our ideal client. We're late. We're putting together all the decision makers within these target accounts that we've researched. Is there a typical amount of, can we, can we do a quick scenario if you don't mind? Cause it's, I, I like to make this part quite actionable, mainly for, for my head as much as the audience is, but let's say, I don't know, we provide some kind of, we're a B2B SaaS agency, a SaaS company rather. Let's say we provide CRM to a specific niche. Maybe we provide CRM to financial companies, um, let's say in, in the US and EU. And we're, we're mapping out decision makers that our financial CRM can help from our target account list. Is there like a certain amount of decision makers that we should map out? I.e., are we going after, let's say, typical CRM buyers, I don't know, or maybe on the marketing side? So we're we putting like, the CMO, the head of marketing, the director of marketing, the VP of marketing, or are there certain, is there a magic number or do, is it, a, it depends? I think uh, if you're going to use it to, to do the personalized outreach, like email message, LinkedIn message, LinkedIn connection, LinkedIn message, um, maybe you can have like five or six for, from an account that you're going to send an individual message. You don't want to spam the whole company to, to be weird. Um, but there's probably a few people that are part of a buying committee, typically. So you might, or even in the same department, sometimes the one that's going to sign the contract uh, is the C-level, but the one that's going to recommend and be the champion for the product is the director or even below that. So you probably want to reach a few different people inside the account and, and you need to have those people. You need to understand the kind of personas that typically are in the buying committee and what their roles are. Uh, in that buying decision. So we, you can map out, let's say five or six people in the account that you're actually going to go and send a, a personal message to them. You might map out a few more if you want to use it as an advertising uh, audience, but typically you probably don't need that because LinkedIn would be an obvious place to go to where you just uh, choose the company, choose the department, choose the seniority, and you have yourself your audience. So you don't really need to map who the people are to do that. 
but when you want to call them or, or send them a message, you need to know who they are. So sure. I would say between five and 10 maximum, uh, more than that seems like it's already cannot be personalized the message. So we'd just be spamming everyone with the same sequence and uh, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Good stuff. All right. So five to 10 decision makers within an account max. You started talking about advertising and kind of putting together content, media, maybe podcasts, um, maybe visuals that these target decision makers in the accounts we want to break into are going to see two weeks or so before our outbound sales team reach out to them. What are some tips when it comes to putting together the messaging, the media that's actually going to resonate with our idle clients that we want to actually kind of get top of mind with before sales start chatting to them? Yeah, so the the sales going to one person can be like completely personalized for that individual. The marketing campaign cannot go as personalized because you need to create a sizable audience and then have one campaign for that audience, right? You're not doing the campaign just for one company. So I think you need to group these accounts that you selected in a way uh, that they have a few things in common so that the message can really resonate with them even though you're targeting maybe 25 companies with the same campaign, it still feels like you're talking to me. So as you said, uh, if it's a financial, if the companies are the companies are all in the financial services industry, uh, if you know that they are a certain size, if, you're, if you know that your targets are in a certain department, so you can try to send a message that feels like you are talking to me. You also, you should know your value proposition very well which should be related to the ambitions or the pains of this audience. So you want to make it as much as possible that they look at it and then say, yeah, sure, this, this, is, this is for me. This is my problem. This is my pain. This is what I care about. Mm. And that's where the, you know, the creativity and the marketing side of things um, is, is required, right? That's, that's the, the marketing magic sauce is, can you do that? Can you take your product? Can you take your audience? and create a message that really resonates and then makes you say, yes, this, this is for me. That's where your marketing team needs to shine and your product marketing and your value proposition needs to be really powerful. But the advantage is you're not doing one marketing campaign for everyone in the world. You know that you're targeting these companies that you selected yourself, you know why you selected them. So your message should be able to talk to that. It should help you in that mission of creating the right marketing message that resonates with them. What are some things that you should avoid? Because I can think of a few, but when I see LinkedIn ads in general, some I find spot on, really, really good, really well thought out, and then others are just on the opposite end, awful. Um, what 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 should you avoid when it comes to LinkedIn ads, CTAs? Should you even put okay. a call to action in there? So that's probably one. Uh, you should probably not try to get to book a demo or a sales call on that campaign. Uh, you're going to have the sales team going after them anyway. So you don't really need, this is not a lead generation campaign. You, you don't need to end all your ads with click here to book a demo. It's sometimes the, the marketing team is kind of formatted like that. So where do I put the CTA? Where do they book the demo? Where is the forum? It's not necessary that the campaign has that goal. The campaign can be just awareness, for example, about your podcast. And if, if they... Um, you can go a bit uh, more top of the funnel with your content because you're capturing their attention. You want them to notice you. You want them to probably consume some of your content 
to understand what you do and become interested, become curious about what you do. And they don't need to immediately request a demo. That's fine. They can come back later when they get your next campaign that can be a bit more salesy, or they can just reply to your SDR when they actually reach out because they are already curious. So one thing to avoid is that treat all the campaigns as a demo booking campaign. It's not necessary and probably not useful at this point. You might even not want someone to go too early into the demo without enough information because you might be burning that possibility. You want them to really get to know you and get to understand the problem you solve before they go in the demo. So don't do not rush into that. It's fine to create a, uh, just an awareness campaign at first. Okay. And that's helpful. Now, in terms of so we're creating awareness for the first two weeks or so, I think you said. Yeah. And then sales reach out. Is that just saying to sales, do what you want, give them a call, give them an email, give them a LinkedIn message, or is it a bit more strategic <laughs> than that? It's more than that. So I, one of the words that I like on this uh, playbook definition is the orchestration. So it really is orchestrated um, and it might you might build quite a complex flow because it, it might be conditional to other things. You can just make a sequence of actions and say, <clears throat> so two weeks advertising, then one week you're going to connect on LinkedIn with everyone and like their posts. And then another week, you're going to send them a message on LinkedIn and another week you're going to send them an email and just do everything in sequence. You can be more sophisticated than that and make it conditional to the previous action. You can, for example, use a tool to check if that company has been visiting our website. As they get the awareness campaigns, you might start to see, well, these, are, these companies are engaging with our ads and they have been visiting our website and these are not. The next action might be different according to what they did before. So you might say, if they have visited our website, the next uh, step is a phone call. If they didn't, the next step is a LinkedIn connection. So you, you can do something quite sophisticated if you start putting conditions uh, in the place. You know all the touch points that you have at your disposal. You know yeah. you have the LinkedIn advertising. You, you have the LinkedIn connection, the, the, the email outreach. You can even use direct mail and, and send a letter or send a gift. So you have all these things that you can do. You can think of all of them. And then it's really about how to orchestrate them in a way that makes sense to reach your goal, which is to have a sales conversation with this person and mm. be able to talk about your product as they become interested in talking with sales. You can really try a lot of different things. And, and I think you should be as creative as possible and then just understand what works. And that's why the next quarter, you're going to do it better. You're going to see what worked in the play and you're going to make some adjustments and make it better. Yeah. Yeah, that will make sense. Now, is there, I like the word orchestration and I like the idea of, and this might not be possible for organization depending on the size of them, but I like the fact, like you said, if someone visits the website, then we can see the companies maybe flicked on a few pages. They've spent five minutes session time looking at maybe the offer, maybe some case studies, our pricing page, then it's probably makes sense for a sales rep to give them a call. Um, some companies might be able to do that if they've got the relevant software and time and outfit. Others might not. Um, but is there a way to do this so that we can make sure prospects are qualified enough to speak to sales? Because as you mentioned earlier, we don't necessarily want to force a demo down their neck. 
if they're not ready and then burn the opportunity of what could be a potentially very large and profitable account. Is there a way to do that or are there any best practices around doing that? So usually qualifying the leads uh, has two big aspects. One is the demographics and the firmographics. The other is the behavior. The good thing with ABM is that you already qualified the companies that those are your ideal customers. So you mm. pre-qualify them while well, purely inbound. You need to understand who is this person that is asking for a demo? Is it good or not? This you already qualified that this is the right customer that we want to have. So it's more about the behavior. Is the level of awareness, is this the right moment, the optimal moment to have a sales call? Um, so as you said, you can understand how they have been engaging with our content, with our website, you have intent data. So if you are going more sophisticated, I would say if they ask to have a call, then that's the right moment. As soon as they are the ones asking for it, give it, go talk <laughs> to them as fast as possible. That is the right moment. So if they become interested enough in your campaign and in your efforts to go and ask for them on your website, then maximum priority, go and talk to them. If you're pushing for that and you want to know, should I push more? Is this the right moment to continue to call them? Um, I think there's some intent data as well that you can get around the web. Uh, for example, for review websites, uh, if you pay them, you might know like this company has been searching for you and your competitors in this category. And you say, these guys are in buying mode. So any data that you have that tells you these guys are in buying mode tells you, yeah, this is the right time to, to talk to them. And that's another source of data that you can pull into your orchestration is understanding, um, are they looking for solutions right now? Yeah, yeah, okay. So if they're showing high intent, like you say, if they're looking at review sites, spending a decent amount of time on your website, yeah. looking at specific pages that show that they're, they're about there. Um, gotcha, gotcha, okay. So is that is that the crux of it, Fernando? Is there, in in terms of apart from kind of analysing the data? So let's say we've done this for a quarter, and maybe we've seen some success in terms of the accounts that we're targeting. Maybe we've got some of them over the line. Is it just a case of analysing what's working well, making tweaks, or are there more things that we've not discussed that we should be looking out for and tweaking or changing? Yes, so I think the, um, the most tricky part about this is getting all the different teams uh, aligned on this because it, it is cross-functional. It requires sales and marketing and uh, SDRs to work together on this. So if you are doing it for the first time, you kind of, whoever is the champion in the organization that wants to do this, Kind of needs to prove that it works and that it works that it works better than other ways of than just purely inbound or than just uh, outbound by itself. So I, I think you need you need those successes, those early successes. You need to be able to measure and to prove like the conversion rate of doing this orchestrated approach is much higher than just sending sequences to to everyone. Um, so I think it, it, there's a, an internal challenge if you're going to implement this in an organization that didn't do it before to get mm. all the teams on board because the orchestration part on paper um, is, is, is very pretty, but that means a lot of people working together and coordinated and the pe people that are on teams that have different priorities and they need to make sure that they are working together on this and everyone um, has the same buy-in and is going to execute properly. 
So I think there's a lot of organizational challenge to making ABM work because everyone needs to work together on it. As soon as you see some success and everyone sees it's actually better this way, then it's more about let's do better campaigns and what is better is better messaging, more resonating, better landing pages, better flows, um, you know, better across all the touch points, creating better emails, better messages, and which is testing and seeing what works, what gets the, be the best response and really focus on the campaign and try to do the best campaign as possible. But I think before that, the organizational challenge is, is the first one that you need to overcome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To me, it sounds like it's a tricky one because it's like when organizations, when marketers at B2B companies try to start a demand generation campaign and to create new demand for their company, which in many situations can be quite difficult depending on kind of who you're trying to convince, whether that's the founder, the C-suite, whoever. Um, because part of the play that you shared sounds a little bit like demand gen. So when it comes to picking out your target accounts and then putting top of the funnel content up there, whether that is some kind of podcast snippet around a useful tip that your target market might find interesting, or maybe it's talking a bit more about the problem that you fix or sharing something useful or linking them to a case study, that kind of stuff sounds a bit like a demand gen play. But when organizations have perhaps been running outbound for years and years, whether their team are hitting the phones or hitting the email, and they know they can get X percentage or X amount of prospects they, they talk to into a demo, but then they hear about an ABM play that might cost thousands of dollars just to get the first process running to iron out the data and then get the ads running and then try this out for a quarter before they can test how well it works and then get the demos. So I can see that on a um, founder or whoever kind of makes the decisions on these kind of things, it can be probably quite a tricky one, depending on how educated you are on how this play works, right? Yeah, but I think there's a, there's a, lot, of, um, there's a lot of education by now. Uh, a lot of it because of the ABM software vendors that educated the market a lot uh, and by using their own tools and their own marketing <laughs> knowledge they, they did that a lot so i yeah. think these days um if you talk to investors that are you know in the board of a startup and guiding them and telling them hey, this is how you go to market are you doing this are you doing that if they are targeting a certain size of company if they are targeting mid-market and enterprise they will ask you, are you doing ABM and, and why are you not doing ABM if you're not? I think that by now, um, this is common knowledge that if, if you have that kind of ICP, you need that kind of go-to-market motion. They will ask you, yes, are you doing inbound? Are you doing outbound? What are, you, what are your results in, in, in either? But they will ask you about ABM. I think there's a lot of awareness now on the markets, on, on the B2B space about ABM as a way to go to acquire a certain type of customers, that this will not be so hard to sell to the leadership um, at this point. At the same time that we see the performance on just purely outbound, getting worse and worse and worse to a point where I think now if you just stick with that playbook, you know that you're not going to get far. So you really, all the teams want to do something better than that because they know this is not going to work. Do you think that ABM with the play that you've just shared with us all is more effective than a demand generation play? Well, you need to define a demand generation play. There's a lot of talk about it. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to be controversial. 
I was thinking about what, what the LinkedIn definition of demand generation yeah, is. Yeah, it varies uh, each day, right? We could argue about that as well. So, so what do you mean by that? Well, it, like you say, if, if you listen to LinkedIn and, and the posts that you see in the feed each day, it probably vary by the day. Um, I suppose my understanding of demand generation or demand creation is creating awareness to potential prospects that may be interested in what you do but are not in buying mode just now. So whether that is organic content or paid media um, and then building an awareness for the problem you solve, the solution that you provide. So eventually when they are in market, you're the brand or company that's top of mind because you've been helpful, educational, useful to them over the last several months, years, whatever yes. on the cha channels they hang out on, whether that is LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, whatever <clears> the heck it is. And then when they're ready to buy, you're the one that's front of mind. Yeah, so I'm very aligned. I'm very aligned with that uh, definition, uh, and I think it. A lot of times it goes down. It goes back to some basic, even common sense. I'd say basic marketing concepts, but even basic common sense that what <laughs> you just described just makes sense if you want to get customers. What doing what you just described is is just basic common sense. That's that's how you go if you want to build a brand and you want to get customers and they are not buying right now. There's other ways where you'd go with the you know the demand capture. They're looking for you right now. This is where you need to be, sure. But then if we want to go after all the other ones, the way that you describe it makes perfect sense. I think a lot of times these things overlap in many ways and work together and it's not one or the other. And as you just said, the way that I describe the ABM plays, there's a lot of things in common. So what is the difference is that I define a, a much smaller, more targeted audience for these same activities, because the first thing you need to know in our demand generation play as well is who is our target. But you probably could define a much broader target of all the marketing agencies in the world. And I'm telling you, let's pick the 100 that are most likely to convert. Part of the play is the same. You build maybe your podcast, you're targeting all the all the listeners in the world with the same podcast. And I'm putting some more layers on that. Let's take that content. Let's pay LinkedIn ads to reach these 100 because we, I cannot pay to reach all of them. So I need to make some choices. So while inbound, your podcast is still attracting people and educating people, you're going with a marketing budget to advertise to the most likely to become your best customers. And by the way, if you actually know who they are, why not give them a call? Because you know the you have ways to know their contacts, right? Today you have ways to be able to blueprint the account and know who they are. So if they're showing some interest, if they're already doing some stuff, do you really need to wait until they request a demo? Well, at some point it might be just also common sense to have someone call them and say, hey. I have this that obviously is for you for this and these reasons. I have these other customers that look just like you and they are super happy. Do you want to talk? And if you are very relevant and personalizing that message, you will get a certain reasonable conversion rate that you are, if you are just spamming everyone with the same message, you don't get. And, and you know that. And you even might hurt your brand by being completely off with your tone of voice in your message and, and it just sounds stupid and hurt your brand if you can do it in a much more personalized way that you can if you have a small number if you as an sdr or an ae have like 20 accounts that you're targeting you can research them properly and you can 
be very relevant and helpful for them. So it's turning this thing that is outbound that became just mass spam and not helpful and just noise into something that is helpful. The same way that we think about content and podcasts as something that is creating value. You can try to do outbound and create value as well if you're really being personalized. That's a nice way to separate ABM and demand gen. I appreciate that, Fernando. And with that, sir, I want to thank you very much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, keeping everything actionable and no fluff. So appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your wisdom. And with that, <laughs> do share more about how everyone tuning in can learn more about yourself, your company, and the best way to get in touch. So the company is Raidu, uh, expense management software. So if you have any needs in that area, just go to raidu.com and reach out, request a demo. About myself, I was more active on LinkedIn before. I might be again in the future, but it's the easiest way still to find me and find my content. It's just look for Fernando Maral on on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a blog where I write not very often, <laughs> FernandoMoral.org. But really, LinkedIn is the place to meet me if you want to if you want to talk if you want to uh, reach out to me as well. That's the best place. Legend, you're too busy, mate. You're too busy making ABM work magic for your business. That's the problem. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Cool, man. We'll put all of those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, I want to thank you once again for coming on, sir. Thank you for having me. No dramas. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on your audio podcast channel goes a long way. Or if you're on YouTube, a subscribe is much appreciated. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode for more no BS, actionable B2B marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. Catch you on the next one. Cheers.